0: Amen. What's up, guys? Good to see you. I think you're a little sleepy. It seems like you didn't have quite the crazy energy you sometimes have, but um I need to make one more like push, one more urge for you to sign up and come to the fall retreat. And it's if, if all of these other reasons haven't compelled you yet, my reason, my last kind of cry, plea, whatever is, is the food. The food is gonna be good. This isn't like crappy, normal Bible camp food. I'm telling you, the food is gonna be good. Jess and Kelsey Huber, like they are, they are members here at Veritas. Jess is on staff and he makes some super good food, you guys, like anytime they invite us up to their house and it's like super far away, I don't care. I'm like, babe, we have to drive because the food's good and I like hanging out with them. So if, if all of these other things aren't compelling you to come, you need to come for the food. And also, I don't think a skinny guy like Neil should win the belly flop competition, okay? So, show up for that. Jeremiah, I'm serious. If you don't, I don't know where you are, but if you don't do it. Okay, he's over there. James, you make him do it. Cool. Um, I should probably cut to the chase because we have three parables to tackle tonight. I know, but I'm not going to be long. We've got three parables to tackle. So, if you have your Bible, open up to Luke 15. Luke chapter 15. We are going to read um, just the first couple verses, but we're spending our time tonight in the whole chapter. So turn to Luke 15. I'm going to read the first couple verses and kind of set the stage. Luke writes, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. This is Jesus. They're drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So right away, if you're kind of familiar with anything in the gospels, this is kind of a classic scene where the Pharisees are are not too happy with Jesus. Jesus has some run-ins with the Pharisees and it's because of who he's spending his time with. These tax collectors and sinners are drawing near to Jesus. These tax collectors would take more money than they should. They were kind of the outcasts of society and these people Jesus is moving towards. And the Pharisees, the religious elite, the most proud people that you would ever bump into, don't like that this other religious leader named Jesus is eating with them and hanging out with them. And so in response to their problem with him, Jesus tells them this parable first. He's got three for him, but I'm going to start with this first one. He says, so he told them this parable. So Jesus is talking to a whole bunch of people that by trade aren't shepherds. But he has to tell them something. He has to tell them something about the mission that he is on. This mission that he's on to find lost people. And then he gives them another parable. Let me read it quick. Verse 8. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So there's kind of some similarities in both of these parables where something is lost. And at the end, there's this celebration. Both people, the shepherd and this woman who lost her coin, which would have been kind of more than likely her dowry, one of the coins of her dowry, which would have been given to her by her parents, right as she was getting married, just in case she was ever actually divorced. If her husband left her, she would have something to kind of just keep herself on her feet. And even though she loses one of the 10 coins, it's worth enough to search for. And so Jesus is shedding light on his mission to save sinners in these first two parables. He's trying to show his critics just how big of a deal it is that when one sinner repents, When one sinner turns back towards God, there's joy before the angels of God. There is a party in heaven. And then the parable that he tells next, you might be familiar with. It's the parable of the prodigal son. At least that's what people have titled it. And he says this, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And I need to pause here real quick just to kind of tell you how offensive and how just completely unheard of this would have been to go to your father and say, just give me me the money I'm going to get when you die. Just just give me what I'm going to get when you die because really I just want your money. I'd rather you already be dead. I don't want you, dad. I just want your money. And even more surprising, perhaps, is that instead of what might have been kind of culturally normal to do to a son like this, just kind of get violent physically, verbally, get this son out of your house, the father gives him his property. He, he probably has to sell some land. He has to actually like, become less wealthy just to give his son this outrageous thing that he's asking for. Things aren't working out so well. And if you know anything about the Jewish culture and what this would have meant, this would have been extremely, extremely humiliating for a Jewish man to be taking care of pigs, unclean animals, to be feeding them while he can't even feed himself. He's longing to just be fed himself and he's feeding these unclean, disgusting animals that he should never touch. Just before all of this, remember the son, this younger son is in the most humiliating, just troubling moment of his life. And he's came to himself, is what it says. He's, he's come to his senses and he's figured out, you know, even my father's hired servants have it better than me. At least they have food. And if I just come, if I just come back to my father, And say, if I just say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. If I just go back to him. If I just walk to him, maybe, just maybe he'll receive me and just give me food to eat. And the most amazing thing is the father's response. Again, in this day, there's absolutely no way that the father would run. That was culturally unheard of. That, that was for children. That the father would run towards this son that had completely just humiliated him and his family. And wanted him dead, just wanted his money. And his response is to not just feed him, it's to throw a feast. It's to literally throw this crazy party He calls his servants and he says, kill the fattened calf. You wouldn't do this for just any party. You see, again, in their day, eating meat was not a very common thing. Meat was a delicacy. And the fattened calf would have been the thing that was saved for the most special of occasions. The son gets treated like he's just done something completely amazing for the family. When in reality, he has just brought shame upon the family. The father receives him, runs towards him, clothes him, just shows him that he still loves him. This was the best day of the father's life. Like he's throwing this crazy party, and he's inviting everyone to the party. And it's entirely possible that if you've heard this parable before, this is kind of where it stops. Like, this is, this is where you're used to kind of just being, like, left with this feel-good message of God, God loves sinners. He loves the prodigal, and yeah, he does, but you know what? This man had two sons. He had two sons. And I don't want you to let the subtitle of this parable the parable of the prodigal son, keep you from seeing what Jesus actually intended to get across in this parable. So don't let the subtitle fool you. Let me read verse 25. I'm going to read through verse 30. It says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He is lost and is found. You guys, the striking thing is, is that The older son, he's now on the outside. He's now choosing to not enter into the joy that his father has, that his son has returned. And some of the reason why, I didn't explain this at the beginning, but some of the reason why is that when his younger brother would have asked for his share of the property, what would have happened is the father would have given the younger son just a third of of his entire estate of his entire all of his wealth because for a man like this he would have actually given two-thirds to the older son. You got the the bigger portion if you were the older son. And so this older brother knows everything that is left in the family. All of the things that are worth any sort of money of any value, they're all coming from me. They all are mine now. And so my father is squandering This wealth that's coming to me, all of the celebration, that's stuff that I should get to enjoy. How dare he spend it on my brother who just left and just said, screw you, dad. He can't believe the incredible grace and mercy that his father extends. And because of how much it's costing him, because of how much his inheritance is just plummeting before his eyes at this outrageous party that's being thrown, He doesn't want anything to do with his family anymore. He's outside the party having a meltdown like a five-year-old. But again, his father, just like when the younger son's coming across the hill over towards the family house and sees him and he runs, this father comes out to the older son having a tantrum. He comes out and entreats him. He comes out to talk to him when he could be celebrating with the younger son. And again, he says to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours, which is literally true. Everything the father owns at this point is going to the older son. You guys remember who the audience is? The audience is people who are the outcasts of society and people who are the most proud religious elites. And this is a parable of someone who has left and just become worthless in the eyes of the older brother. And this parable is showing us, Jesus is trying to tell us that the older brother has missed something. He's missed who his father is. He's missed how loving and gracious his father is. He's performed all these years of his life for his father. He tells him, I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, Dad. As if he had to earn his love. So this parable ends on this kind of cliffhanger. Like Jesus just ends it. We don't know if he comes back into the party. We don't know what his response is to this merciful, gracious, forgiving father who says it's fitting to celebrate when the prodigal son comes home, the son that's just wasted all of our money and wanted nothing to do with us. I want to go back and just read again the first two parables because we, we need to see a pattern that's developing. Okay. The first parable, verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, Jesus says, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So there's something that is lost. There's a search party. There's this search and rescue mission and then a communal celebration. The community comes together. All the friends come together to celebrate. And that's what we see in this next one too, right? What woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? There's the search party. And when she has found it, She calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. There's the the communal celebration, this party for one coin. What's missing in the prodigal son parable? There's There's no search party. There's this son who's lost, and there's this party at the end. There's this extravagant party. Who is supposed to go search for this son? Jesus is looking in the eyes of these Pharisees. Of these people that think that they're righteous. That they've earned it. That they've worked for it. And he's saying, it's supposed to be you guys on, on the mission to seek and save the lost. The older brother doesn't go after Jesus. The older brother doesn't go after the the younger son. But it's Jesus, the true older brother, who we have, who comes for us. Jesus doesn't just say, this is the mission you should be on. It's the very mission that he's on, sent from heaven to come rescue sinners. You see, all the while, Jesus is telling these three parables, trying to show that something just isn't clicking. You can do all of these things for God and miss the very heart of God. You can, have, you can have so many motivations to do things for God and miss who He is. I don't know if tonight you're the younger son who has rejected God and His loving authority. He said, God, I just want the good things you offer me in life, but I don't want you. Or if you're the older son who said, I'm just going to do, I'm just gonna do the right thing. I'm just going to do the things that at least look like on the surface are obeying Jesus, simply just to, to get things from Jesus. You guys, Jesus is trying to show us that there's two ways to rebel against God. Living a life of immorality and recklessness like the prodigal son, this I don't need you God mentality, and this second way of living a life of kind of manufactured morality. Just getting things from God. Even just, I'm going to obey God so I get to heaven. It's two ways, being very bad and actually being very good. Tim Keller puts it this way, both brothers are trying to gain control. In this parable, both brothers are trying to gain control. The younger by leaving and disobeying, the older by staying and obeying. You guys see that? How he's missed who his father is. I don't want you to miss who God the Father is tonight. Like you can be completely knowledgeable and acquainted with the things of God like the Pharisees, and yet Jesus and His grace can just go right in front of your eyes. And so how do we know that God loves us, that He actually loves us like this this Father, that the God of the universe has this kind of love because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came on a rescue mission sent from heaven. So to both the, the younger brothers and older brothers in the room tonight, I'm pleading with you that you come home. That if you're saying, I feel like I'm a 1,000 miles from God, that all I've done is run from him. Or if you're the person, if you're the type of person who's just right outside the door having done so many things for God to get things from God having all of these motivations that really aren't actually pleasing to God I'm begging you to come home remember it's the father who runs out towards both of his sons he loves you he wants to forgive you He's ready to welcome you into this party. He wants to throw you this party that the one obedient son of his deserved and he's sharing it for all of us. Tonight, come home. Experience his grace. God isn't waiting for you to to serve him well enough to do just things to earn his love. He's running towards you wanting to embrace You. If you've you've already come home, if you say, I'm with Jesus, I've accepted him, he's my Savior and my Lord. Let me ask you this Are you on the rescue mission with Jesus for other people far from the Father? Are you on that mission? Or tonight, do you need to actually say to God, I am on this mission with you starting tonight. Jesus, I am for your grace and your mercy meeting more people. So if you've come home to the Father, two things are true of you. You have a new position. God looks at you and he sees someone that was worth dying for. He sees someone that was actually worth shedding his own blood for you, To save you and redeem you. And to give you, secondly, a new task. This task of being a messenger of his kingdom. Of his salvation. Through sharing the gospel. Through actually being a messenger of this great news that God receives sinners and loves sinners. And he shows his love for sinners through Christ. And it's not to be confused with affirming sinners. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not that Jesus was just affirming the sinful lifestyles of the tax collectors and sinners. He was calling them out of it, you guys. He wasn't so full of himself, though, that he couldn't eat a meal with them and show them the grace and love of God. You guys, there's a difference between receiving sinners and actually behaving like sinners and living in sin. But God, through your faithful witness to the gospel and through your faithful sharing of the gospel, he wants to restore more sinners to himself. Somebody once said, God doesn't want good people. He wants new people. God doesn't want good people. He wants new people. He wants... You to be made new by Jesus. He wants you to be renewed by the mission that Jesus went on for you, this salvation rescue mission. And when this happens, when people come from death to life, when they go from being lost to found, you know what God's people do? They throw a party. Like they throw... This crazy party that makes no sense. People on the outside should say, Why in the world have that type of celebration? You guys, what if Salt Company actually celebrated people meeting Jesus in this type of way? In the killing the fat and calf type of way, in the just overly abundant type of celebration that someone would come back to God, that someone would say, God, I have run from you so far, so many years. I've left your good design for my life. I want to come home to you. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you need to say to God, God, I am sorry. I've sinned against you. And as you say, I just want to be your servant, he says to you, no, you get to be treated like a son. You get to have an inheritance. You get to experience the full blessing of being one of my children. He wants to give you the status that the only perfectly obedient man ever deserved. Jesus achieved this for you. He's offering it to you as a free gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to say to God, God, I've done all of these things all the days of my life for you. Just give me, give me these things. Give me eternal life. No, it's a free gift. If salt company started to have more people saved by the grace of God that had just run from God, this prodigal son type of life, I think it would start to be so compelling to the world that God loves people that run from Him. He loves people so much that he came for them. You guys, it's Jesus' life for you. That's what's on the table. I want it for you. Jesus laid down his life for you. He bled and died and rose again. And he is here tonight saying, I've done the work. You can have my salvation. You can have my free gift to you of this incredible Father loving you and wanting to throw a party for you. Come. So, come. Pray with me. God, You are so kind and so loving. I don't understand just the depth of your your love for us. I want God for you to, to show just your incalculable love for sinners tonight to remind people who have already accepted it and to to reach down and save people that have yet to accept it. Thank you that you loved us when we had only rebelled against you and said we just want things in this world that you created and not you God the creator. Jesus, give us, give us a response to you tonight that changes us, that makes us more like you, that makes us want to, to share what you've done with our classmates, with our, with our teammates. God, I I just want to see your love extend to more people. So would you just send your spirit, God, to fall on this place tonight and bring people that are lost to you and would we celebrate how good of a God you are, how much you love us and want to save us.